Playing Guilty, episode 23. It's no secret, I've spoken about this before. For the past 15 years, I've struggled with post-concussion syndrome from my time as an amateur and professional hockey player. It's been a finicky and frustrating battle with no one-size-fits-all game plan. And because of this, much of this journey becomes one of self-diagnosing and trial and error. And once you dive in, this lonely research rabbit hole is never-ending. I'd say somewhere around four to five years ago, psychedelics, specifically psilocybin, kept surfacing in clinical trials showing tremendous promise. The claim or theory is that psilocybin's unique chemical properties have shown the potential to be able to rewire the brain and may even generate new neurological pathways. The success stories are out there, and they're becoming more and more common, not only in concussion therapy, but also stroke TBI, as well as a wide range of mental health conditions such as depression, anxiety, addiction, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. So, this is where my personal psychedelic journey begins. In part one of this two-part series, I speak with Nick Murray, founder of Wake, a company that specializes in medicinal and psychedelic fungi therapy and integration. Welcome, Nick. It's, It's great to have you, man. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Happy to be here. Yeah, obviously I'm just coming off a recent experience with you and your team, um, a guided psilocybin ceremony in Jamaica, and uh, what I experienced was pretty profound and potentially life-altering. It's probably an experience that I'll, at least at this time, um, I'll share with a select few, but um, I want to stay kind of away from my personal experience and focus on you, your company, and what you guys are trying to accomplish. So I've got some rough notes here, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Does that sound good? That sounds like a plan. All right, good stuff. Well, I grabbed your website, and on the website, I think like kind of that lead-in paragraph says, Wake, helping humans transform themselves with medicinal and psychedelic fungi therapy and integration. So... You're going to be better at explaining this uh, to my listeners. So could you, could you do a little good job of explaining what that means? Sure, I can try. Yeah, really the mission of the company is to bridge uh, east and west. So the east has been really um, at the forefront for, for hundreds, even millennia, on, on fungi medicine. And the west, you kind of departed from that over the last century or so, and so bridging those worlds and and more than just the the east west but the the intelligent old medicine and then new high tech uh, things like wearables and and technology to really help people in the health space that's really where where I am and and wake sits our goal as a company has been to really bring organic natural psychedelic psilocybin in, in particular to the world and, and allow for those to be eventually a first line of treatment for mental wellness, mental illness. Uh, so that's really the, the genesis of the company. Wake has pioneered the full circle in Jamaica. So from the lab to the growing facility to processing to actual products um, that, that go from capsules to chocolates uh, to even uh, like a jelly gummy format. So we've done all, and then, as you mentioned, uh, at the very end is the patient touching where we bring um, a number of amazing people from all over the world to Jamaica on a regular basis so that they can actually go through the therapy, which is uh, two doses over the course of typically four days. And, uh, and we really try and, try and work with everyone prior and, uh, and post to... Uh, to you know, to help them a little bit better than when uh, we when we first met. Yeah, and I want to definitely dive into a little bit of what that ceremony um, involves a little bit later. But to to kind of an icebreaker, how the hell did a kid from Canada end up growing mushrooms in uh, Jamaica? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm a geek, and tech and healthcare have really been the two areas that that cross section where I've really focused the last decade of my kind of professional and and personal life. Um, So that was where it all started. Uh, About four years ago, 
I was operating a, a health tech company that was playing in both the clinical world and then also the clinical trial world, providing software to both. And it was really neat, actually, because when you're selling to the clinical trial software world, uh, you, you get to see what I would call kind of research deal flow. So you get to see some of the research studies that are coming in. You get to review the protocols uh, and, you, and you, have to, you have to quote them. So I just started seeing some really interesting novel therapies for psychedelic use uh, coming down the pike. And I just really had quite a light bulb moment thinking, you know, I've been in the tech space with healthcare, with natural healthcare, uh, working with a lot of cannabis doctors around the world with the software as well. This is going to be the next big thing. And I want to really be a big part of it. So <clears throat> I, I did my research, found the countries where psilocybin was legal and, uh, and, and Jamaica just stuck out. And it made sense that because Canada and Jamaica have such a, a long standing friendship and, and many flights and lots of cross border uh, business that, you know, I would go down and I would check it out and I would see if any of the current retreats in the country would be interested in using our technology to help them monitor people's heart rate, blood pressure, all those um, interesting vitals, including brain waves, brain scans, um, you know, as part of their offering and, and we could work with them on research. Anyway, I came down and it just, uh, once you get to Jamaica, it's a little harder and rougher. And uh, it, basically, it, it ended up transpiring that, you know, we, we basically, if we wanted to do something in Jamaica, we really have to do it on our own because okay. um, there just wasn't a big, a big push or a big need from the, from the industry down here to do it, to do health tech. Um, so I met a wonderful couple and they were growing uh, exotic mushrooms. And they were also Canadian and Jamaican, and it was kind of a, a familial bond created. And um, and then we did our first retreat, and our first retreat was March 9th to the 19th wow. of 2020. And uh, and then COVID basically shut down, you know, all travel, or at least everybody had to leave on the 18th of March. So everybody left. I decided to stay in Jamaica, um, and then. That's where the, the farm really was born. And that's we, we spent the two years of COVID really building out the facility. We have 12,000 square feet now of, uh, of, our, of our growing facility on a 50-acre piece of land in the hills of Jamaica so that all of the surrounding area around the building actually supplies the building with the substrate that we use for our mushrooms. Wow. Uh, so it's been a real labor of love. Yeah. I, I really fell in love with, with Jamaica and... Um, you know, we're now operating the, the largest farm in the country and doing multiple exports to the U.S. with the DEA and uh, supporting the local market quite a bit as well. That's pretty wild. And I guess um, you were able to, is it fair to say you're able to somewhat bypass the politics that we see in the United States by, by doing it in Jamaica? And I, I kind of want to touch on the politics of psilocybin in, in the United States. Um, it, it's not like, you know, magic mushrooms are exactly... New. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it become a popular psychedelic or recreational drug in the 70s, but eventually it was classified as a Schedule uh, 1 drug by the DEA? Um, and kind of because of that label, that medical research component of it came to a halt until like the 90s because of some mm -hmm. fear of uh, abuse or dependency which is kind of hilarious because fast forward to 2022 i believe psilocybin is one of the most commonly researched psychedelics because of its low potential for abuse or dependency am, am i right there yeah yeah it, it's a very uh interesting anomaly because schedule one by definition says that there's no medical or research benefit um and that's where you find psilocybin and we know categorically that there's medical and research benefit you know you can just go to clinicaltrials.gov um so it's the u.s's own site so they're in a bit of a quandary and i think there will be a rescheduling eventually but um yeah it it is why we're here is is because we don't have a lot of that red tape mm -hmm. um it's on the industry to really to be good stewards of of this opportunity and not to you know F it up. Sure. Um, and we take that seriously. And, and there's a lot of working groups in Jamaica that are really focused on kind of implementing
standards as an industry um, to really obviously allow for safety and uh, and and sure efficacy down here, but really to open up the external external export market if yeah. uh, if possible. So so that's a it's a big opportunity. Um, it's just an interesting wrinkle in in time, and nobody knows exactly why. But in '71, there was a UN uh, resolution to the to ban or to schedule a whole class of of compounds of drugs, and Jamaica was a signatory onto that, <clears throat> but then just didn't basically put it into their penal code. So whether that was intentional or unintentional, who knows? But that's that's why it's legal. Um, you know, they they were kind of a tag along with the British, even though they got independence in 62. And so the British made it illegal. Um, but then you have a few British protectorates, British, um, you know, islands that didn't. And so that's St. Vincent, that's, uh, that's British Virgin Islands and also Jamaica. So all three didn't make them illegal, although they, they said that they would with the UN. So it's, Wonderful, to be honest. It's yeah, it's great to be able to operate in a in a place freely, um, and it's really our testing ground so that we can really battle test everything from the from the lab to the growing to the actual uh, retreat spaces, retail spaces, uh, prior to you know the the expanding legalization in uh, in the U.S. and and Canada. So it does give us a really great advantage to try things out, yeah, to try new products, you know, to try different dosages. It's um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun, and it's just cheaper to fail down in Jamaica than uh, than in the U.S., Canada, etc. So we can really, you know, we can really yeah. battle test a lot of stuff before before the costs go up and you're, you know, you're you're in our homeland. Yeah, for sure. And um, so, and this this is more personal opinion, I guess. But you have this natural occurring medicine, um, unique and promising kind of chemical compounds. I don't even know if I'm using the right terminology with lots of research, endless success stories, low risk for abuse or dependency. So like in your opinion, why why is this still illegal in the United States? Why is it still stigmatized? Wow. That's a big one. Um, My personal thoughts is the system itself is set up, um, you know, for with safety in mind, so I'm talking about the, the FDA, Health Canada, uh, and Visa in Brazil, you know, the, the, the head of the health industry or the, the ministry of each country. It's safety first. And so that, that, that should be that way, and that's great. But what does that mean? Well, it means that if they want to allow for a physician or psychiatrist to prescribe something, they need to test the compound for safety. And that's phase one, phase two, et cetera, of trials. Now, when it comes to a botanical, um, like any you know natural, so whether it's from the fungi kingdom or the plant kingdom, they it's it has many compounds inside, and that's part of what makes it special. But the FDA, Health Canada, says you know we can't test a group of compounds because there's too much variation. We can't say which one is doing the effect, and so it very much is built for the synthetic world or at least the extraction world. Um, and that's unfortunate because that means that for us to push uh, natural psychedelics, we would need to basically grow them, uh, dry them, extract just one of the compounds, likely either psilocybin or psilocin, and test just that. Mm. But that's kind of a disservice to to patients, to people, to even the, the, the body of, of research because... Every time we see these amazing studies at Johns Hopkins, uh, Imperial, you name it, they, everybody thinks, I think anyway, that those are mushrooms and that, you know, when they say psilocybin, they really mean magic mushrooms. Maybe they were fresh, maybe they're dried, but they were magic mushrooms. That's, that's a misnomer. Um, 99 plus percent. So possibly a hundred, um, are all synthetic. So it's so you're you're seeing psilocybin having great effect, which is wonderful to show that just that compound can still have such a an amazing effect. But the actual biomass mushrooms, and I know I'm going down a tangent here. It's a all good. Bit, but no, it's, it's all good. It's helpful. But the biomass mushrooms um, have a number of compounds. So there's there's psilocybin and psilocin, and those are the real 
active ones. Those are the ones that get a lot of credit. Uh, but you also have norbeocystin, baocystin, originacin, and those are less researched. We, we don't find them as, as common in other mushrooms, psychedelic or non, uh, but in, in the cubensis variety, those are in there and those are working together in one way or another. We just, we don't know the synergistic effects of one over the other or different ratios, but we know that they're in there and nature's, you know, a little smarter than us. So there's a reason. So that, that takes us back to, okay, so how would you do it if, if you were going to get the, basically like the, the fast tracked, um, like MDMA, if you wanted to get a similar approval that looks like it's forthcoming for MDMA, uh, it's a lot of clinical trials and then you would have to do an extracted product. Um, so it's almost like the system as it is, is limiting for natural products to, uh, to get to the level where doctors uh, are, are able to prescribe or comfortable to prescribe. And that's the, that's the issue because the, my, my area of the market, I guess, not the whole market, but my area of the market is very much, you know, keep it natural, keep it organic very much, but make it clinical grade. Okay. Meaning you have very little variation. Everything's been grown in GMP compliant facilities. Um, you really treat it like a pharmaceutical ingredient, uh, but you're giving it kind of a natural start to life. So that's where we're at. It's, is that, uh, there's a lot of baggage. Is that a big worry? Like, I, I don't think it's a if. I think it's a when um, this becomes uh, readily available in North America. But, you know, one of the things I, I, I want to interview Riley and, you know, not to, not to get off topic here later to talk more of this personal experience side of things. But one of the things he shared with me um, he really encouraged me to go to Jamaica to do this. In the event, once it does get regulated and potentially over-regulated, once it gets to mm-hmm. North America, is that a real fear? And, and I guess my second part to that question is, does it really matter because it will still be reaching enough people, this powerful medicine it will be able to help a lot of people so kind of like a two-parter is there a fear that it will be overly regulated and is that okay as long as it gets to people i mean the fear is definitely real um and and it just depends on the level of regulation Mm -hmm. you know what you what you don't want is that regulation ends up making it inaccessible for for a large swath of people i.e the regulation and the paperwork and the bureaucracy drives the price up and now it's just only for the very wealthy or the, you know, great insurers. Um, so that is an issue and it's, yeah, you know, you still want it. it some access is better than none, but you know, it, it's, if it starts with a lot of regulation, it's likely only going to continue and get more. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things like what we saw in Oregon is really interesting where the state voted and then when it came down to the counties, 80% of the counties said, nope, not in my backyard. Oh, really? I didn't know. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really interesting one. I mean, it's, it's understandable. A lot of people are like, I don't know what this thing, this psychedelics thing is going to really look like. I don't know if I really want it next to my, my hope, my house, my, my business, my kid's school. Sure. So it, it's really affected. I mean, there was a, a recent bankruptcy in the space, which was really kind of unfortunate to see of a group called Synthesis. And they, they had purchased a very beautiful property uh, in the millions that ended up not being in an area of the state that was supporting psychedelics. And it was just one of those eternal blunders, unfortunately, the yeah. fatal blunders, sorry, that, uh, that took them down. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a good, it's a good kind of bellwether, at least for the, for the whole space, because we're going to have Colorado going legal next year and they're going to learn from a lot of this, hopefully anyway. So I feel like, uh, it'll be an interesting one, the synthetic versus natural debate because it just rages on and there's many vested interests in that fight. Um, and, uh, you know, there's an argument to say that if we do make it synthetic and we've got factories all around the world that are able to pump this out that would make it even more accessible yeah so there's arguments on both sides i think we'll find a world where we where they both live um but you'll have 
some some insurers that only support uh, synthetic, and you know if that's all you can get, it's better than a lot of the uh, the other stuff like SSRIs and SNRIs that people are on. So uh, it'll be an interesting one, though. It's it, Oregon was wonderful to say we will not support synthetic. So there's a lot of states that are copying their template, and you know that that was a big step. I'm sure there was a lot of vested interests that didn't like that in the regulation, but as is. Uh, psilocybin being given in Oregon this year, likely anyway. They're just going through some final approvals with uh, with providers and of of the medicine and providers of the service. That uh, it'll only be natural. There's no synthetic allowed. And I wonder. So this is probably a good segue. I uh, and I think we can finally talk about this because I saw an official press release on LinkedIn the other day. But the ES, the ESPN documentary. Um, I think this is extremely important. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe before I give my own opinion, um, can you talk about the the ESPN documentary that is set to drop very soon? Yeah, it's um, it's a pleasure. It's it, they came down last March, and it was just an amazing group of of athletes um, from the U.S. <clears throat> so all disciplines. Uh, we had wrestling. We had NFL, NHL. Um, it was and boxing and it was, uh, it was a great five days that we had with everybody. So they sent down a team ESPN did to, to really walk the, walk the path with these guys and gals. And it ended up being really, uh, just such a special week. We were able to bring some guys and gals that had been really through the ringer. I mean, a lot of head trauma, um, head trauma is just, it's not really, supported very well by the current system or at least for these individuals it wasn't and they had been through pills and therapists and all types of therapy and it was just um it was great to have such an amazing group down and i don't want to give too much of the story because it's a real i think it's gonna be quite a tearjerker but uh it it launches on april 22nd we had the entire team from uh from espn kind of just have quite a, a profound experience with us, just watching it, seeing it. Um, some of the interviews were just amazing. I mean, it, it's truly watching people that have suffered with head, head trauma, uh, CTE, and then kind of the comorbidities that come with that, like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic yep. stress, uh, going through two doses in, uh, in one of our most beautiful retreat locations here in Jamaica and, uh, and finding some real, um, real advancement from it. And so Riley is, uh, is, is just amazing. He's, he's been a brother on this journey. The earlier in our chat, when I was talking about the first retreat we did where everybody had to leave the day before, um, you know, Riley was on that one and that was, it feels like a lifetime ago. And so to have him kind of on our, our first one out of COVID, which was this ESPN documentary, um, literally like two years to the day of, of when it all shut down was, was just really amazing. And he brought a good friend from the NHL down. They had played together. They had really been kind of brothers on the ice. So the story of them in the documentary as brothers after the ice, after the lights go off, um, is just, it's gorgeous. So really happy to bring this medicine to, to kind of everybody. Uh, ESPN has got such a good viewership that, um, that we're really excited to be able to show that, you know, this isn't just a hippie thing. This isn't just a, a real like science, you know, clinical thing. This is something that um, that can really help. And just particular for particularly sorry for the groups of veterans and athletes that are suffering from um, really head trauma, CTEs. That uh, that this can really be a, a big benefit to them. Just really around the neurogenesis, uh, the neuroplasticity created by the psychedelics. And, um, yeah, we've, we've really formed a, a good family bond with both the, the crew at ESPN and then also these athletes. So I'm really excited to, to really see this thing, uh, launch and get out in, in front of people. And hopefully it'll change a few hearts and minds on, on psychedelics in general, because there's a bit of fear, uncertainty, doubt when it comes to things like, uh, well, any new molecule or at least molecule that people haven't tried or used, you know, daily and, I think this is a, a big moment for for this for this space just that we can bring kind of everybody 
along for the ride when it comes to ESPN and, and their viewership. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a big flaw. Yeah. And to bring some context to the name Riley, cause I brought it up early, but Riley Cote was, he played in the NHL. Um, I played against him in the minors. He was a guy that I leaned on that helped, um, yeah, convince is the right word. Convince me to do this for myself. Um, I struggle with post-concussion syndrome from my hockey career, so I plan on interviewing Riley in the future, but just to kind of bring some context to his name. And, you know, I really think, like, what you said about the ESPN, uh, like, their core customer, like, there's a huge opportunity to reach middle America uh, through the lens of an athlete, and... You know, I think the exciting part is that they aren't superhuman. They're athletes. They are very much human. They, too, can struggle. Um, so they're going to see this, this true human side of trauma. Um, they'll see these breakthroughs and the promise. Um, and I think it's going to be extremely powerful um, once, you know, this demographic sees these people that they have looked up to. And I think the story will be very relatable and I just, I think this could be a pivotal point. Um, I really do. Um, when does it launch? Like, when will, the, I know there's going to be some private screenings, but when will the general public be able to see it? Uh, I believe it's April 22nd. Oh, It'll nice. be on ESPN. So just about a month out from now. And then, yeah, there's a launch party on the 23rd in Philly, in Philadelphia at UPenn. And then there's going to be another one the week after at Cooper Health. So I'm not sure when, when this will air, but if it's before those dates, uh, we'd love to invite you. You can RSVP at, at wake.net slash ESPN. Nice, nice. Um, all right, so I want to I touch into, like, we, we've kind of, like, uh, we've danced around what actually happens within a ceremony. So I think it would be a nice way to kind of, like, close the loop here. Um, I mean, medical-grade mushrooms have been used, like you said, in ancient, uh, as ancient medicines for centuries, right? They, and they use it to support mm-hmm. everything from uh, immunity to reduce inflammation and uh, manage cellular stress. Um, I mean, you told me in some tribes it's the standard. It's almost like it's, it's not the exception, right? It's like a rite of passage. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, in Oaxaca, Mexico, which is very much a big um, historical kind of component to psilocybin kind of connecting with the West. They, there's a beautiful little town named uh, San Jose del Pacifico. And uh, anybody that's in this space, I really recommend you go because it's, it's just a tiny, beautiful little community in the hills, in the mountains of, of Mexico. And uh, in that town, it's it, when you go through your rite of passage as a woman or a man, um, so like kind of that 13, 14 year old space, they, um, they, they go through a, uh, a, an actual ceremony and that's, that's their bar mitzvah or that's their kind of, you know, coming of age. Um, you know, in Canada, it's much more about, you know, go finding a bush and, and, you know, all pitching in for a case of beer and, you know, it's, <laughs> sure. it's a lot less, it sure uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot less spiritual <laughs> or maybe it's spiritual, but it's just not the same. Uh, and, and I think it's just such an amazing thing to give, um, you know, a teenager or somebody really coming into the next step of their life, uh, that knowledge, that inside self-love, uh, connection to everything around you. Um, so it's, it's amazing to see. And I think that would, that's a big thing to learn from Yeah, is that, you know, that is so intelligent as a species to, to, you know, to not make it something that you just do every day to make it intentional to make it part of their their evolution their growth uh they're welcoming into adulthood it's it's amazing so yeah that's uh that was where i was kind of first introduced to really intentional spiritual mushrooms was okay. uh was in oaxaca probably about seven seven or eight years ago um and and i think it would be it's definitely something to learn from yeah. in this in this space so um, in our ceremonies, we will do uh, either a five-day or a four-day retreat, clinical retreat. Uh, you, you came down on a four-day. Mm-hmm. Those are more common now for us. It just allows for us to offer it to more people, um, you know, not feel too rushed, get two ceremonies in. 
that's a big thing I should really note is it's very important to us anyway, and from our experience, to offer people at least two doses. Uh, the first dose, no matter how kind of experienced or um, uh, ready for anything kind of uh, person, it's really important that they do to just mainly because the first one is they're, they're just getting comfortable. No matter who you are, you know, you're, you're in a new space, you're excited, you're a little nervous, you're going to go into the experience, you're going to have an interesting, uh, good experience, but it's going to be, you're going to be holding on a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just who we are. You know, you're not going to go, you know, to the highest diving board in the, in the, at the pool. Um, although maybe Riley would, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're going to work up to it. And sure. so that's important. So everyone will arrive on day one and everybody arrives at different times, depending on the flight schedules. So, uh, so everybody kind of trickles in, meets everybody. We have a familial dinner and then everybody, you know, gets a nice rest, uh, from the day of travel. Day two, we start with yoga or breath work or a little bit of combo of both. And that's usually around 7.30 to 8. And then there will be a very light breakfast. And then we go into the one-on-ones with our our medical and our ceremony team. So we have a wonderful group down in Jamaica that is our ceremony team. Um, That's just an amazing group that I've really become close with over the last few years. And we just just do kind of, uh, they're they're our go-to. They're our number one that we work with. And that's a, a musician. Um, and then two actual practitioners. So there's, there's three people there, part of a, of the ceremony team. They'll meet with each person one-on-one, uh, discuss what brings them there, discuss if they've used psychedelics before, if they're on any medications whatsoever, if they've titrated down, if so, how long has it been? Um, a number of questions. And this is in addition to our intake questionnaire, uh, before, you know, they're even approved to come down, which is very medical focused. Um, so they're they're down. They they discuss with our our clinical team as well as the ceremony team, and then they discuss what dosage they're going to be doing. <clears throat> so we usually have at least two strains on on site that are within three days of of being picked. So they're very fresh, and uh, and they'll choose their dose. Normally it's around four grams as a as a start of, on day one. And then they have the option of doing a booster, which would be one to two grams that they can kind of pre-select uh, or pre-require uh, before they go into the journey, so that <clears throat> when they're ready, they can just um, they can just put their hand up and say, you know, I'd like I'd like my uh, my additional dose. Um, so that starts around 11:30, 12. We we do take blood pressure, pulse oximetry. We read their uh, their brain with EEG. Um, through a baseline and, and a number of different uh, cognitive kind of reviews. And then if they're open to it, we monitor their their vitals during the journey. I know you you tried one of the latest devices yep. that, uh, that we're working with. And, uh, and it's really just around data. We see data as one of the big tools to, to try and kind of move this movement forward with medical and research and, res- and just really society, I think. The more that we can make it um, something that's that's tangential, that's sorry, that's um, that's able to be really quantified, then it's less about somebody's experience and and their kind of anecdotal, so to speak, experience. It's really backed up by data. Yeah, so and I, here's and I, your sorry. Yeah, and I can speak to that. Like this is not some hippie experience. Um, there is so much. Uh, I mean, it's not like going to a hospital in the United States, for sure. Uh, there's a nice blend of Eastern and Western, but um, very, uh, very technical, very clinical. Um, it, it was, it was a, it was kind of a perfect blend of the two. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of people from the outside. I know you did use the word like hippie experience. Are probably thinking, yes, this is just we're going to the the hills of Jamaica and getting high for a couple of days. It definitely wasn't that at all. Um, and you, I, you touched on them here and I did have those, uh, three questions, but from the website that the full, like clinical immersion, you talk about ceremonies and integration, wearable technology and clinical research. Um, the clinical research part, could, could you expand upon that? Like, who are you working with and, and who is, um, seeing these results? 
Sure. Yeah. So we've got a number of partners on the research front. Um, kind of our, our most, I shouldn't say this, but our most interesting one is the Lieber Institute of yeah. Brain Development. And they're out of Johns Hopkins and they're just amazing. And we're working on trying to find a way to quantify um, with a, with a, a saliva sample if somebody is a good candidate for psychedelics in general and then psilocybin specifically and if so how much how much do they need um, there's a lot of work there and the reason we're working with the Lieber of all the of all the possible groups is that they have the largest uh, database of, of cadaver brains that have been genomically sequenced okay so somewhere in uh, in the uh, the bowels of uh, Johns Hopkins there's um, there's hundreds of brains that have been uh, genomically sequenced and uh, and then categorized as uh, for things like CTE, post traumatic stress. So that's what we're kind of bouncing the the samples off of. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's it's going to be our goal is to hopefully allow for people to just uh, do a cheek swab if they're interested in psychedelics and same day they're they're told okay you know we think that psilocybin at this uh, gram dose would be ideal for you. Um, and it would, it would be a part of an algorithm that actually brings in other things like your previous medical history, wow. medication history. So that's the goal with that partnership. Um, now on the, the research that we're doing constantly, which is the vitals, the brain scanning, uh, the patient reported outcomes, that is, that is really going to be a part of a retrospective study that we hope to do uh, and it's it's going to be an interesting one because it'll be comparing things like um, ketamine to psilocybin, okay. as well as to kind of the the control group, which would just be neither. And um, we're really excited about that one. There's there's a really interesting um, world, and I mean I'm I'm very much natural first, but there's an interesting world brewing right now between uh, a multi psychedelic personalized clinic approach. And so we're not, you know, natural or nothing. I mean, there's there's synthetic things uh, that that can be good. There's some natural things that can be bad. I mean, there's some mushrooms that can kill you. So no, you know, not all natural is sure. is is perfect. Uh, but our goal is to really bring some data to the field and be able to say that, okay, if you're this demographic with this diagnosis, uh, with this medical history, uh, we our system we recommend. Uh, this course of treatment and it's personalized to each person yeah there's much overlap between you know a 35 year old male suffering from cte and uh and and comorbidity is 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 depression you know you're likely going to have a very similar protocol to somebody you know same demographic um other than you know the cheek swab when that's ready so that's the goal and and backing it up with data is really what we need to that's do wild. so backing it up with yeah well, it's, it's needed. You know, yeah. it's like we've, we've, we've helped over 200 people now through our retreats and it's, it's wonderful. And I mean, it's a testament to the team really that, you know, we just provide the space to be honest. It's like we, we, we provide the platform, the space, the, the drug. Um, but then we very much trust our, our team, our ceremony team, our medical team, um, you know, to carry th people through this and we see amazing results and we want to, use those results to kind of inform um, the next 300, the next 800, the next thousand. So uh, a retrospective study is, is really the main uh, opportunity here. And what that means is you're going to take a database of data, you're going to anonymize it uh, to a certain extent. So de-identify it, so no, no names, um, and then you can, and no email, no phone, et cetera. And then you you apply to do a retrospective study where you're looking back over you know two years of data, let's say uh, from our clinical retreats and let's say a center in the U.S. that does ketamine. Um, let's see how they compare on these validated tools. So you know there's a very well known one for depression called the PHQ-9. So we'll compare you know before, after, three months after. Um, so that's that's one that we're so we're always contributing to that data set and we're hoping to do that later on this year is actually announce it and, and hopefully work with some interesting groups on that. Super cool. Um, and the one thing I didn't want to glaze over, uh, the integration part and even me kind of 
living past the experience now. So like I went in there, you know, had a traumatic brain injury when I was in my late 20s. Um, it's kind of plagued me uh, for the past 15 years or so. So the goal was to see if this could address those issues. And, and guess what? It might um, over the course of regeneration and integration, all that stuff. I've always thought if you could, you know, set yourself up in, in kind of an optimal health state, you have the best chance of healing yourself is kind of the way I look at it. But you know, the thing that, and this is where it's even kind of like more important is, you know, what I experienced when I was there, everything from absolute sorrow to pure joy and um, like intense gratitude, the world is a lot lighter and brighter <laughs> since uh, the ceremony. And it's it's hard to explain like your your natural triggers or the loop you find yourself in. You know, somehow I'm able to catch myself in those moments and not react the same. So the, the hard thing now is I'm forever changed um, without it ever addressing the uh, post-concussion stuff. And I'm forever grateful for it. And, and we talked about this when we were there. Like, there's a lot of people out there hurting, you know, and I, and, mm-hmm. and I, don't, I don't really have this gnarly upbringing, trauma. Like, I had a great life. I just I had a traumatic brain injury. And, and even still, I had the benefits um, of the intelligence of the mushrooms, you know, showing me things a little bit differently. And you, when you come out of one of these ceremonies, and, and, and I, I know I've already asked you this question because you told me you have this intense desire to want to share it with everybody like you do believe everybody could benefit from it um but but do you hear that from a lot of people like it's wild how many people i would like to gift this experience to at this point Mm -hmm. we do i mean we do hear it time and time again you know it's like a it's like a veil has been lifted and you know it's our human nature and it's a good one to be able to to you don't want to keep it to yourself you don't want to you know keep everybody kind of with the veil over their eyes you want you want them to at least know that it's an opportunity and um you know it's it's a very exciting time for us to be able to 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 really provide this to to be a part of um you know opening people up that was partly why we we named the company wake was we did, we saw the opportunity um, we're constantly cognizant of the fact that we need to make it accessible. You know, coming to Jamaica, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, um, but comparatively so, what we charge compared to, you know, years of a lot of other things uh, is actually kind of very economical. So it's one of those things, you know, you you, you want to tell, you want to bring a lot of people, um, but it takes a lot of courage to come down. I yeah. mean, I commend you for, for making that step taking that step there's a lot of reasons not to right there's just you know friends family work whatever it is there's always a reason you know maybe next time maybe next year Mm -hmm. all that and especially when you're when you're kind of you know you're not your best self you're you're you're, you could be depressed you could have kind of anxiety traveling Um, there's a whole host of reasons that some people just don't make it down and and that's even more of a reason we want to get things spun up as quickly as possible in the u.s as as quickly as we're legally allowed to i mean we'll we'll happily bring all of our knowledge and and really clone jamaica um into you know the various states where we can operate um but it can be frustrating man you know there's some people that even in my life and i've been doing this for years that i'm just like i wish you would come you know (laughs) down you know and it's like you can't push it's it's all it's very much will will resonate and happen for people, you know, at the right time. Uh, but it can be excruciating sometimes when you're just like, you know, you, you know how much it'll help some people. Um, it's a factor of education, um, you know, and, and we can thank, you know, Michael Pollan and, and his books and, sure. and Netflix specials and, um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, there's, there's, there's certainly a, a, a zeitgeist change in society that's great because, it does make it more acceptable when, you know, when people are, are telling you that it's not your, 
you know, your son or your brother or, you know, somebody that's too close to you that you're kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, yep. thanks, but I'll wait till the white lab coat says it, or I'll wait till Kim Kardashian does it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man. I, I hear you. And I think you should, you know, the people around you that you love, you know, you, you only want the best for them. And, um, but it's just one of those things that you, you can't, uh, you can't push, you can't take the, the, no, the water. So you're, to speak. you're a hundred percent right. Like it took me five years, uh, to come to the realization. This was what I wanted, you know, to do. And I will say this though, that's why I think this ESPN doc documentary could be a game changer. Like if mm-hmm. just for it to reach, yeah, I think like I'm not being rude by that. Middle America, like everyday people need to see the people they looked up to. Like I just think it could be a massive game changer because like you said, even the people in my life that I would like to share this experience with or gift them say this opportunity, they do have to come to the realization themselves. And the more mm-hmm. this is talked about, the more documentaries there there are hopefully it, ex- it accelerates kind of my five year path um, mm-hmm. and accessibility will only help that, you know, like, yeah, I was fortunate enough that I could pay to fly to Jamaica and, and um, have the right support staff that allowed me to do this and amazing teammates at work that said, go do this for yourself. You know what I mean? So like you said, there's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into, um, making the decision to actually do it. But the same thing that people said to me where let's say I was nervous about, you know, leaving my family or leaving work, getting the support that you have to do this, you owe this Mm -hmm. to them. Like think about it that way. If you think that you could be a better version of yourself, well then you owe that to your loved ones. And maybe that kind of helps you, frame it a little bit differently um than not that's really well said yeah Yeah, no it really is it's it's this um i mean anytime you kind of put your neck out you know take a risk and get past it no matter what that is could be like making your bed in the morning Mm -hmm. um there's just something cognitively strengthening that's there and yeah it's probably dopamine you could probably kind of do an analysis and, and say oh it's this chemical and that but at the end of the day it strengthens you, your soul, you know, your resolve for next, next issues, next things that come up, you know? So it's, it's very much a snowball to use a, a Canadian analogy there, my, <laughs> there you my go. fellow Canuck, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it really is. And so there's, there's a lot of uh, growth. There's a lot of education, like with the, with the ESPN doc group specifically, and anybody really like yourself that's, that suffered from, you know, a concussion, it, um, it's, it's such an unknown where the current medical system doesn't look at the knock-on effects of that concussion. And what did that concussion do to the pituitary gland, which is responsible for your hormone production, which if your hormones are dysregulated, which we find time and time again in the CTE suffering population, then you're more susceptible to things like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress. So this is a known thing. Dr. Mark Gordon's done some amazing research and he's become a really good friend on this. And hundreds of vets have been helped by him specifically. Um, but this is something that people just don't realize that if you have this traumatic brain injury, it's going to affect your pituitary, which affects your hormones, which makes you more susceptible to these mental health issues. Uh-huh. And the traditional system is just like, ah, oh, let's try you on this different SSRI. Oh, you just need a bigger dose. And you go in this hamster wheel when the hormones aren't even being checked, let alone fixed. And so, you know, bringing that kind of knowledge and the ability for psychedelics to play a part of that where, you know, we're helping fix the hormones, but we're, so we're giving you the best chemistry. And, and then you can start to realize, like, I'm not broken. This isn't forever. You know, it just makes more sense, right? The unknowing is what makes us all crazy. And, and unfortunately, that's been a lot of, of the, the medical world is like, mm, you know, you, your scores say you're depressed. This, the, you know, you're, you're, you haven't changed in three months. So maybe the, the pills aren't good. So here's some other ones or here's some more. Yeah. And then three months later, you know, and it's so with Middle America kind of seeing this documentary and then 
having the education that's that's been proven out. This isn't a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dr. Gordon's done a wonderful job at proving this out. That it takes the, the you know the the ownership. It takes the opportunity back onto the patient, back onto the person, to really guide their guide their path forward and at least have an informed kind of decision making process, so that they're not kind of kicking themselves and beating themselves up, saying, "Why am I depressed? Why am I making these?" these choices or, or these, why am I suffering from these, uh, these particular diagnoses or these issues? Uh, you know, that's, that's the most powerless, unfortunate spot where a lot of patients get to. And, um, you know, it, it gets, it gets very unfortunate with regards to kind of alcoholism, the pills, um, the, the shut in, you know, it's very tough to get out of that. So back to what you said, I think people seeing this ESPN documentary, seeing some of the people they used to, you know, root for in the stands and on TV, uh, going through, being honest about what they're struggling with. Cause I mean, you know, the, the human condition is up and down and all around and, you know, sometimes social media makes us think that it's all happy days. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's definitely part of, part of the issue, part of the problem. Um, so it's good. It's, it's going to be a personable approach, personal documentary, um, that's all real. I mean, we didn't pay ESPN to come. They paid for their own flights. They, you know, we, this isn't a marketing sponsorship thing or anything like that. Oh, nice. Um, which I really, you know, I, I commend them and I, I thank them for, for selecting us to do this with, because it was an absolute blast. I, I met some amazing people I'll be friends with forever. And, um, it was really cool to just see them, the, the, the film crew specifically really kind of come in, come down being like, we're going to Jamaica to a mushroom thing. This is going to be, you know, they, they were just full sure. of piss and vinegar at the, at the airport. And, uh, and then through it, they were just like, I had no idea this was going to be like this. Yeah. I had no idea. You know, they just thought they were going to see some, some drum circles and some, some, you know, people running around. Like, I don't know what they really thought, but it wasn't what they, uh, it didn't, it's not what they, tr- what transpired in a good way. And, um, yeah, they've. It's, I'm really happy that it's this group that's telling the story because I feel like they truly, they truly understand like you do, um, the the process, the ceremony, um, the before, the after. So I'm so excited to see, um, to see it launch and to see you know what change it can affect and how we can kind of build upon that and and uh, and hopefully do another one with them. Yeah, well, I can I can relate to that. I was a skeptic. It just is what it is, and I am a believer. I will be a supporter. And yeah, to, to close, I'm just kind of forever grateful to have met you and, and the team all together. So I'm hoping that let's call it a year or two from now, I can invite you back on the show and we can see how far we've come. So um, just, yeah, thank you for talking with me today. And yeah, thank you. Anytime. Appreciate you uh, extending the invite to All right, buddy. Well, I think we're cutting out a little bit here. I'm going to hit uh, pause, but again, thanks, Nick. My pleasure.